guys, this is WWE superstar Charlotte Flair, and you're listening to Wells Mania Podcast. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, you are now running wild with the most underrated wrestling podcast in the world, Wells Mania Podcast, and I am your host, the Kyle Wells. Be sure to follow me all over everywhere, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Subscribe to the Wells Mania Podcast. We appreciate you for tuning in and running wild with us. And yes, at Wells Mania, all over everywhere. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. I run wild, Peyton. That's what I do. And yes, co-host of the Wells Mania Podcast, Peyton Payne, joining me live in studio. Peyton, how's it going, brother? It is going good. It is a wild night as you just put it there's a lot a lot of news going around tonight it's been a wild week in general like i found out some big news personally to start the week and then halfway through the week we were all i don't even want to say shocked because well it's vince mcmahon and well he's done a lot of things over the past 35 years of my life that never ceased to amaze me we found out the news about vince mcmahon stepping down from WWE temporarily, temporarily as the CEO and chairman of the board. But yes, you are running wild right here on episode 69. 69. <laughs> of Wells Mania podcast. And joining us right now via the Wells Mania hotline, and he is a friend of the Wells Mania podcast, and he's been on numerous episodes of the Wells Mania podcast. WWE Human Encyclopedia, Jared Giles. And Jared, hopefully you don't pull a Vince McMahon, say about six words, and then you hang up the phone. No, I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) How you doing, bro? How's everything going in the uh, world of Jared Giles? Things are going all right, man. How's things going with you all? We're doing well. We're doing well, running wild. Uh, We were heavily anticipating a lot more out of the mouth of Vince McMahon than what we just got. And if you missed it, this is exactly what Vince McMahon had to say to kick off Friday Night SmackDown. I'm here simply to remind you of the four words we just saw and what we call the WWE signature. Those four words are then, now, forever, and the most important word is together. Welcome to SmackDown. So that was it. That was it. We were highly anticipating more than that because earlier this week, the Wall Street Journal broke the story. And here's the headline. WWE board investigates secret $3 million hush payment by CEO Vince McMahon, the report says. Now, Jared, Peyton, I'm going to ask you guys, what was your first raw reaction when you saw this news break? Jared, we'll start with you. Uh, You know, I mean, it's, I don't know, it's somewhat shocking, but I mean, if you know Vince McMahon's history, he's been open in past interviews about his affairs or what have you, so... At first, it kind of caught me of, oh, did he use company money? And then I wanted to find out more about the um, about what was in the article. So then I, you know, got on and read, you know, a lot more about the, about it. But the original reaction was, 
okay, interesting, but like, what does this mean for the actual company itself? Peyton, what about you? Before I read the article, my mind immediately started going to, is this a way to try to get Vince out of creative power in in the company? I mean, because we all know there's a lot of people in the company that don't think Vince makes very good decisions. And that there's, even though the company's making a lot of money, there is a lot more money to be made if certain creative decisions were done properly. So I thought, is are they making a bigger deal out of this than it actually is, just trying to get him out of that position? And then when I read the article, it really didn't shock me all that much. I mean, Vince McMahon has probably done this many, many, many times over his over his career. And I guarantee you, whoever the person is that was paid, it's not the first. It, there's no way it's the first. And I think the media is trying to make this a bigger situation than it actually is because there wasn't any, like, abuse allegations or anything like that. It was he paid somebody to sleep with him, doubled her pay just to keep it quiet and, you know, not let the affair get out in the public eye. And really all the investigation is, is did he use company money or his personal money? And when that's figured out, I don't think there's going to be really that many repercussions from it. Yeah, Vince McMahon is 76 years old. And the three of us have been wrestling fans our entire lives. So we truly, this is a believe it when we see it, the day that Vince actually does either A, sell the company, or B, step down permanently for good. That remains to be seen. And quite frankly, after what we just saw to kick off SmackDown, I don't think we're going to be getting that. I do think he might lay low now he had to make the tv appearance okay check now he's going to wait and see how this plays out because this is a direct quote from vince mcmahon and i'm not going to read it in vince's voice i have pledged my complete cooperation to the investigation by the special committee and i will do everything possible to support the investigation i have also pledged to accept the findings and outcome of the investigation whatever they are that was from the press release from wwe's headquarters in stanford connecticut that was from the voice of vince mcmahon now here are some key some key components of this entire ordeal because the question i've been receiving from everybody is is this a work is this a work is this real is this a work because that is the wrestling world that we live in nowadays. It's really hard to separate what is a work and what is legit, what is real. This, if you're going to make it a work, I don't know why you would want to bring in a $3 million alleged affair that the Wall Street Journal of all places is going to break this news. And the last time I checked, the Wall Street Journal is not affiliated with WWE. It's not a work. I, I I thought maybe for a minute it could be. And, you know, in a fair storyline is is not shocking to me if that's the route Vince wanted to go. I mean, I mean that's not the first time the, the guy wanted to run had a storyline yeah. with an affair. He Well, he wanted to run an incest storyline at one point with his daughter. I'm glad so, that that never saw the light of day. You know, in a fair storyline with Vince McMahon would not shock me in the slightest. 
But tonight, how he acted on SmackDown tells me it was not a work because if it was a work, they would have done more with him tonight on SmackDown than just coming out and saying one sentence. What do you think, Jared? Because we get this all the time. You know, when superstars get hurt, is it part of the storyline? Are they legit injured? What What were your thoughts about the whole work angle for this Vince McMahon story? No, I never, I never thought it was a work because um, you're going to hurt your stock price. You're going to hurt your company's value by having an article in the Wall Street Journal. If you did something on TV or if it would have been WWE, you know, social media, like, oh, a woman was seen leaving Vince's office or something like that, then that's clearly an angle. You're not going to have a story in the Wall Street Journal that's going to say your board of investigators and investigating because that's going to fire up your stockholders and that's just going to cost your company money. That, and that's the opposite of what a work is supposed to do, cost your company money. And Vince McMahon isn't the only person under investigation, the head of talent relations. John Laurinaitis is also yeah. in hot water people as power. well. People, people power. Uh, so it's definitely going to be interesting to see what happens. And unlike me, I don't go on social media and start speculating uh, when it comes to this kind of stuff. This is kind of stuff where... I'm going to let it unfold because I don't know what the hell's well, going I don't know what the hell's going on here. I am going to speculate real quick. Oh, here we go. I knew somebody was John Laurinaitis at the end of all this. If somebody's going to get fired, it's going to be, it's going to be John Laurinaitis. John, John Laurinaitis is going to send himself a uh, future endeavors. Yeah, well, no, I mean, let's be honest. Vince always has a fall guy. And and Johnny Ace is going to be the fall guy in this situation. He'll be the one that gets canned if somebody has to go. All right. So we can speculate. We can give our predictions. Now, I love giving predictions. But as far as this goes, I'm going to let the board of directors do their thing here in the investigation and whatnot. But do you guys think in our lifetime – we will see Vince McMahon legitimately step down or sell WWE. Well, yes, because yeah. he's 73. So in our lifetime, he, he is going to have to pass on eventually. So No, 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 no. I'm not talking about dying. You think to step down I, himself. I'm talking about while still alive. Do you think while still alive, Vince McMahon would sell the company? Because like I said just a little bit ago, no. I never – Never could imagine Vince McMahon, while alive, no. selling the company. He's not going to sell the company. His ego's too big for that. The only time the, the company is going to sell is if after he's dead. He's not going to sell the company. If he steps down, it's going to just simply be because he gets too old and maybe he's starting to have health problems and he's like, I can't do it anymore. But as long as he can make that walk to the ring and – still mentally be able to kind of communicate and do what he has to do, I think he's he's going to do it until he just can't anymore. Well, he only needs to say about six words, which is what we got earlier tonight on Friday Night SmackDown. What do you think, Jared? Uh, I mean, I think it's a possibility um, just because of the moves the company has made in the last several years. Um, you know, bringing in Nick Khan. Uh, streamlining a lot of their business practices, getting a lot rid of a roster to keep healthy budgets and margins. That's 
those items are usually signs of, of a sale. Um, I don't know if it's going to happen, you know, in the next year or two. Also, depending on what happens with this investigation and if for some reason he would be, you know, permanently maneuvered out of the CEO position and then someone else was in there, could they try to force a sale? There's a lot of what is. I think it's a possibility, though. It's a very remote possibility, but uh, that he, the man himself used to say, anything can happen in the World Wrestling Federation. So it's a good point. Um, and yeah, <laughs> as of right now, and this is I can't stress this enough. He is temporarily stepping down as the CEO and chairman of WWE. Stephanie McMahon, his daughter has been named the interim CEO and interim chairwoman of WWE. And it wasn't that long ago that she went on Twitter saying that she was going to take some time off because she just needed some time away from the biz. Well, that time off was short-lived because here she is now running the company while this investigation's going on. He's still in control of creative, though. They did say that. I mean, he's he's not CEO, but Vince made sure that he is still in control of all creative decisions within the company. Yeah, and I, I mean, Vince McMahon will always have his fingers in the storylines yeah. one way or the other, no matter what's going on with him, unless he legitimately sells the company and backs away because then it's no longer his storylines. It's no longer his show. It's no longer his company. So, like I said, I'll believe that when I see it. But as of right now, it's going to be very interesting to see how this entire investigation unfolds. But at JC Giles on Twitter, I'm sure, Jared, you will be tweeting about this nonstop on your Twitter and at Stone Pain Prod on your Twitter, Peyton, and of course, at Wells Mania. But while I've got you here, Jared. Yeah. Let's talk about what has happened recently with some of the superstars in WWE. And I'm talking about the injury to Cody Rhodes and apparently the injury to Randy Orton. So the entire landscape now heading towards SummerSlam has been totally shifted. Where are we going with Money in the Bank? Who do you see winning Money in the Bank? I know we'll have you back on when we have the actual Money in the Bank prediction show, but I just want to give people a little bit of clarity uh, during these uncertain times with these major superstars sidelined. What do you think is going to happen now? My, my, my kind of gut instinct is that the pivot, if you will, from what I was originally thinking, is that uh, Drew McIntyre wins Money in the Bank, and um, either before or at SummerSlam, just officially announces he's challenging the champion at Clash at the Castle. Yep. It's a match that was probably going to get set up anyway. He's mentioned it on TV already. I think most people probably had Cody Rhodes winning the Money in the Bank briefcase. I certainly did. Same here. So I think it's if that's a match you were going to have anyway, why not just, you know, pivot to that, give him the case, and then you're not worried about the cash-in because, like I said, he can announce it the night before or at the end of SummerSlam. You know, let's say most likely Roman Reigns wins at SummerSlam. You know, all the big Cairo celebration until the champ. 
Drew comes out, holds up the case in front of the two belts, points to the video screen. It says Clash of the Castle. And then, bam, that match is already signed. In the U.K., all of that, it makes sense for Drew to challenge. It's an easy, quote-unquote, fix for a problem you may have had creatively. I agree. I, I agree with everything you just said. And I would say, you know, if you take Drew McIntyre out of the position of being the opponent for SummerSlam, and this is just speculation, the only other guy I would say that has to be the number one contender and challenge reigns would be Bobby Lashley. I mean, there's not a lot of other people that are big enough names to go up against Roman right now. Now, I did tweet this out at Wells Mania on Twitter. I got a lot of creative ideas, out there ideas. There's a lot going on inside my Hoosier Dome, okay? Well, I put this out there in a little thread, and you can go back and you can read it, but I'm going to tell it like it is right here. I said that now that Cody Rhodes is injured, that was my pick. I agree with you, Jared and Peyton. Peyton and I have actually talked about this. We laid out the road to SummerSlam for Cody Rhodes, and him and I both had Cody winning the money in the bank and then cashing it in at SummerSlam beating Roman Reigns, being the one to dethrone Roman Reigns. Well, that got thrown out the window with the torn peck. And then I said, well, what about Randy Orton? I mean, Randy Orton could be a legit threat and then be a 15-time champ. Well, then he got sidelined. So I'm going to throw this guy at you both. He's coming off quite a losing streak, but I think this could be a nice little turn for him. And I'm talking about Seth freaking Rollins. Seth frickin' Rollins wins the money in the bank, and then he pulls a WrestleMania 31 at SummerSlam. During the main event, whether it is Bobby Lashley versus Roman Reigns or Drew McIntyre versus Roman Reigns, I think that Seth Rollins could potentially cash in the money in the bank at SummerSlam and beat Roman or Bobby Drew, whoever his opponent is, and become the new undisputed WWE universal champion. That would be a good way to do it. Get the title off of Roman and keep him strong. You know, so you don't, let's say, you know, they want to keep him strong for whatever the plans might be with the rock later on. That, that is a good way to get the title off of him. And then Roman can take time off. I mean, hell, he's been a mainstay for his entire reign. No pun intended there. So you can give him some time off and then get him going for, WrestleMania season. Now, Jared, I do like the whole fact of Drew McIntyre winning the title at Clash at the Castle. I really think, no pun intended here either, Wells Mania entrance music, that is written in the stars. So I definitely agree with you there. I think Drew McIntyre is going to win the undisputed WWE Universal title at Clash at the Castle. Well, Jared, thank you so much for taking the time to run wild with us right here on episode 69. 69. <laughs> of Wells Media Podcast. Before we let you go, plug your social media. Let's get some more followers coming your way, brother. Uh, yeah, mostly on uh, Twitter. Um, so at JC Giles, if you have any questions, want to talk about wrestling, I watch pretty much. Anything that's out there, at least follow it. So certainly feel free to hit me up. Old stuff, new stuff, whatever. I'm usually on there one way or another. So if you shoot me a message or tweet me, I will get to it probably in short order. And I haven't nicknamed you the WWE Encyclopedia for nothing. You know your stuff. You are one of the smartest 
wrestling fans that I have ever met. And uh, thank you so much for blessing the podcast with your knowledge. Until next episode, man, we look forward to having you back. Take care, brother. All right, you guys as well. And be sure to follow JC Giles on Twitter. Hit that follow button. It's not that difficult, ladies and gentlemen. But yes, when we come back, Peyton and I are going to dive into part five of Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're listening to episode 69. 69. (laughs) Of Wells Mania Podcast. Thank you so much for running wild with co-host Peyton Payne and I right here on episode 69. 69. (laughs) Of Wells Mania Podcast. And yes, you have reached... The segment where Peyton and I dive into and we recap Obi-Wan Kenobi streaming on Disney Plus and Peyton part five just dropped this past Wednesday and this might have been the best episode of the entire series. You don't know the power of a 69. (laughs) <laughs> 69 <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard Darth Vader talk about 69 but hey this is episode 69 of Wells Mania podcast thank you all so much for running wild with us 69 <laughs> what a wild episode this has been with all the Vince McMahon news going on I guarantee we'll, you Vince McMahon knows what a 69 is well you know he Definitely in trouble because of it, probably. 59. (laughs) All right, Billy Madison, we got it. We got it. So, Obi-Wan Kenobi, the newest episode, just dropped a couple couple of days ago. And, man, you talk about a Darth Vader-dominated episode. Here it was, right here. Best episode of the the series thus far. And I, I know it seems like it gets better every single week, but not only best episode of the series... I'm going to say best live action episode that Star Wars has released to date on Disney Plus. Wow. And that's going up there with anything that we've seen from The Mandalorian and Boba Fett. Yes. That's a bold take right there, Peyton. It is. Why'd you like it so much? I mean, it just fulfilled me so much as a Star Wars fan. Just starting off right out of the gate, seeing Attack of the Clones, Obi-Wan, and... And Anakin, Hayden, and Ewan together again was just amazing. Now, I have an issue with that scene because with all of the technology... Are you going to say Hayden looked like a 50-year-old Padawan? Hayden Christensen looked like his current age, which I believe he's in his 40s, if I'm not mistaken. He's supposed to look... Well, a whole hell of a lot younger than 40, but he looked like a 40-year-old Padawan. He's supposed to be 20 right there. Why couldn't they have de-aged him to get rid of those wrinkles that were on his face. Because if you're going to pick up from a scene, obviously, from back in the prequels, Hayden Christensen's 20 years younger, but he don't look it in this scene. I I do. I thought the same thing. I thought, man, they should have de-aged him. However, knowing how Star Wars fans are, if they would have done that, people would have complained. No that they way. Did it. No way. I don't think people even would have noticed, honestly. So, but we know. do notice a 40 year old Patty Wong. Yes, in there. It, w- it was noticeable. But to be honest, like, I just loved seeing them on camera again so much. I just overlooked it. Yeah. And I thought the dialogue in 
the scene itself, all of the flashbacks put together was so good that it it really didn't bug me that right, much. Right. It played well throughout the entire episode. Uh, my favorite character, though, Reva. Big episode for her. Not sure what's going to happen to Reva. This was a turnaround episode for the Reva character, in my opinion. I think this episode probably shut up a lot of the people that were really hating on that character. You know, because there were so many people saying, you know, from the beginning, like, well, she just seems like she's faking it. She seems like she's being a fake actor. She doesn't seem like she really is into the role. And I have been saying it from the beginning, and this episode proved it. That was the point. She was faking it the whole time because she really isn't an Inquisitor. She really isn't a dark side user. And she's not out to get Obi-Wan Kenobi. She's out to get Darth Vader because you and I called it. Yeah. She was one of the kids from Order 66. I think she she's out definitely to get Vader. I don't think she cares if Obi-Wan dies, though. She said in this episode, spoiler warning, she said, like, when her and Obi-Wan were talking, where were you? Where were you when your Padawan was slaughtering my friends? It's a great question. You know, and so I don't think she cares. Obi-Wan is a tool for her at this point. So... She was she was she had some of the best scenes in this episode. The fight at the end with her and Vader was so good. Her lightsaber is badass. I mean, we thought Darth Maul's lightsaber was awesome. Yeah. This one went above no, Darth Maul's. The, you got a spinning the Inquisitor, lightsaber. Yeah. That's really cool. The Inquisitor saber spins and you know, and as cool as it is though, I love that they show just no match for Vader. Vader was toying with her like a cat with a mouse. It was it was so good. The fact that Vader only used the Force yes. to fight her with her Inquisitor He never lightsaber. even ignited his blade. No, because he didn't have to. And, yeah, you talk about toying with Reva. It was really funny when he got Reva's lightsabers and then threw one back at her and yeah. then threw the other one back at her. It was and I'm like, just like... Man, he he is way too powerful. You know, well, when he stopped the the Star Cruiser from taking off and pulled it to the ground and just ripped it to pieces. Yeah, which by the way, they weren't in there. They weren't in it, and that's what I loved about the flashback moment because Obi Obi One knew that that would get him because he you know he said even in the flashback his lust for power, his lust for winning is his biggest weakness. Is his biggest we- will always blind him. Yep. Uh, you didn't think I saw this coming. Yeah. Young, Reva. Yes, you didn't think I young, saw this coming, youngling. Youngling. But he didn't see the Obi-Wan trick coming, and that's how Obi-Wan knows him better than anything. Even in the in the flashback fight, that's how he beat him. He got around him, he pulled his saber, and he's like, you know, you, you overlook me. You overlook your opponent. That's why you'll never be a master. And the same thing happened here, you know, and... The interesting thing I want to bring up, though, is Obi-Wan's use of Reva in this fight. I, I was thinking about it, and, you know, because when Reva, the part that really hit me in this episode is when Reva asks Obi-Wan, do you even want Anakin dead? And Obi-Wan can't answer the question. He He's just dead silent about he's it. He's got that kind of puzzled look on yeah. his face. And it, and it, if you really think about it, like he doesn't want him dead, but he can't do it. He can't do the dirty work. He's always trying to push other people to do it for him. 
He can't kill Obi-Wan on Mustafar. So what does he do? He wants the lava to do it for him. He can't do it now. He wants Reva to do it for him. Later on, he can't do it then. He wants Luke to do it for him. He can never bring himself to fully try to kill Vader. He's always pushing it off on other people. And even Vader mentions it to Reva. He says, you know, he was wise to use you against me. Do you think it's because somewhere inside Obi-Wan, he still believes that Anakin can come back to the light? I do. And there's a line in Return of the Jedi when Vader is talking to Luke, and he says that to Luke. He says to Luke, Obi-Wan once thought as you do. He once thought that I could come back. And they did reunite in Return of the Jedi. Anakin Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi. And Force Ghosts at the They're Force Ghosts. But yes, for the record, if you're curious how old Hayden Christensen is, he is 41 years old. But in this prequel scene at the beginning of Episode 5, he looks every bit of 41 years old when he's supposed to be looking at least 20 years old. However, the fight choreography for that flashback scene was fantastic. It took me right back to the uh, the prequels which in my opinion is still has the best lightsaber duels in all of star Wars. Um, real quick though, you know, cheers to, to Tala and Ned B. RIP Tala. Who, yes. Hey, hold, hold up your Zoe yes. over there. Pour, pour one out. Well, don't actually pour one no. out. This is expensive. Equipment. Pour them down your throat. Yeah. Pour it down your throat for Tala RIP. And hopefully we won't be doing this on episode 70. If Reva does succumb to her lightsaber wound. Well, if you did pour one out for a certain character by the name of the Grand Inquisitor... You called it! Then please suck it up off the ground. You called this! Because I told you from the beginning that good old Grandy was not dead. You nailed it, man. Because when he came back in this episode, I was like, Peyton called that. Peyton said that the Grand Inquisitor is not dead. And uh, Vader appointed Reva the new Grand Inquisitor in this episode with that little uh, magnet to go on her uniform. That was short-lived. But then the Grand Inquisitor (laughs) took it back. Took it back, and man, that was a boss move on his part. He even said the line, he was like, you know, uh, revenge is a great motivator for survival, don't you think? Like, oh, it's so good. Great quote. Great line from the Grand Inquisitor. So, uh, no, I'm glad to see that he is back but no let's let's talk predictions for the finale next week i don't think reva is going to die from these wounds because she learned of some pretty big news at the end of this episode she learned of luke skywalker so next week the season finale of obi-wan kenobi we're gonna see luke skywalker we are gonna see luke I don't know how much of Luke we are going to see or how much Luke should actually see because I don't want it to be canon-breaking stuff. I, I, I don't think Luke should know too much of the Jedi or the Force because in A New Hope, it seems like he knows nothing. Right, right. So it's going to be int- really interesting to see where they go with this and how Reva is going to try to use Luke. Is she going to make a full, you know, turn and go back to the light and a face turn, as we say in the wrestling business? Or is she going to do what I think she's going to do? I think she's going to try to use Luke to lure Vader one more time to get one more crack at him. But before she can do that, Obi-Wan is going to kill her. Wow. Now that is a bold prediction because 
even though Obi-Wan is hesitant to kill off Anakin, there is nobody that he is not willing to put down to protect Luke and the future of the Jedi Order. I think in that moment, he wouldn't hesitate at all to kill Reva. Make a good point because, as we know, Luke is the future of the Jedis. So his main goal, well, we were gifted a new goal for Obi-Wan in this series, protecting Leia Organa. Mm-hmm. So we thought maybe we were going to get more Luke Skywalker in this series. No, we were actually blessed with the amazing actress who plays kid Leia Organa, who in my opinion, was the breakout star of Obi-Wan Kenobi. So that was a nice little plot twist for us in this series. But yeah, to go home for the finale, I think you're right. The less Luke knows, the better, because obviously, like you said, in A New Hope, he doesn't really know much, and he doesn't even know who Obi-Wan Kenobi is. Yeah, like he's heard of him, but he he's not like, oh, me and Ben are buddies. Like he, He's like, oh, yeah, I know of an old Ben that lives up on the mountain. Right, right. But he doesn't, he's not close to him. But as far as my prediction goes, even though Reva has become my favorite character, I do think Vader finishes the job and kills Reva. But there's only one way to find out. Tune in next Wednesday, 3 a.m. our time here in Indiana for the season finale of Obi-Wan Kenobi on Disney+. Plus. You're listening to episode, it's coming, you know it is, episode 69. 69. <laughs> of Wells Mania Podcast. We'll be right back. Thank you all so much for running wild right here on episode 69 69. (laughs) of Wells Mania podcast. Co-host Peyton Payne, we have reached what is always my favorite part of any episode of Wells Mania podcast, and that is when we talk about my boy, John Cena. By the way, I once drank a PBR with, in case you didn't know, now you know, and in case you already knew, well, I'm never going to stop telling that story, Peyton. You need a t-shirt that says that. It's a great idea for some merch, some Wells Mania merch. Believe it or not, people have asked me, hey, where can I get a t-shirt with the Wells Mania logo on it? I would love to wear it and rep your show. It's in the works. Trust me. I am working on a brand new logo for the Wells Mania podcast. And as soon as I get that brand new logo, well, all systems are a go for a I once drank a PPR with John Cena t-shirt. It's a great idea. That's why you make a great co-host, Peyton. You've got a lot of creative ideas over there inside of your Hoosier Dome. Yes, I will not be buying one, but... uh, Oh, come on! You know, uh, maybe, maybe other people will. Fair enough. Well, we are in Cena month, and John Cena, we are getting closer and closer to his Monday Night Raw return, June 27th. I still have not purchased my ticket to go down to Laredo, Texas. Well, John Cena still hasn't given me my fate yet for SummerSlam. Right, because like I said, 
before we're going to get John Cena versus Theory at SummerSlam. And I called it, Peyton, just like your prediction that the Grand Inquisitor isn't dead. I said that Theory was going to bring back the United States spinner title and mock and mimic John Cena. And that's exactly what he did on his Twitter account. Just another reason why it pays off to listen to the most underrated wrestling podcast in the world. Yeah, well, my car tires apparently won't be spinning to Nashville because Cena, the the deal was if Cena followed me, I would buy tickets to SummerSlam. Hey, we still have plenty of time between now and August. Well, he better get on it because tickets are probably going pretty fast. So John Felix Anthony Cena... Born in West Newberry, Massachusetts on April 23rd, 1977. The 45-year-old standing at six feet, one inches. You need to follow Peyton Payne at Stone Payne Prod on Twitter. Hit that follow button, Cena. You follow Wells Mania and you follow at the Kyle Wells on Twitter. Cena's following two of my Twitter accounts. So hopefully he can follow at least one of yours. Let's hope. But let's get to the reason why we're why we're doing this segment, right? Last time, I told you that I was going to bring 10 trivia questions. Yes. We're going to test your Cena knowledge here. We're going to see how much of a super fan you are for Super Cena. I'm excited. I'm excited for this. And for the record, you have not told me any of these questions. I, I have not. So I will be answering them legitimately raw. Yes. Some are easier than others. Some are hard. But we're gonna see we're gonna see what your over under is by the end of this thing. Let's go. Hit All me. Right. Are you no looking this up? Question either. number one. Let's go. Question number one. This is an easy one. What was John Cena's first singles championship in the WWE? That would be the United States title. Correct. Which, by the way, he beat Where's the Big Show at WrestleMania. Yes. Yes, that is also correct. That was not a question, but bonus points. One for one, baby. Let's go. Question number two. Number two. Hit me. Who eliminated John Cena from the 2005 Royal Rumble match? That would be one, and I'm not a fan of this guy at all. That would be Batista. Correct. And that was a very controversial Bret Hart, Lex Luger type finish to that Rumble. They tried doing the whole, you know, going over and being eliminated at the same time, but then they restarted the end. And unfortunately, Batista, who blocked me on Twitter. That's why I'm not a fan of Batista. Batista, why'd you block me on Twitter, bro? All the Wells Maniacs, tweet at Batista right now and ask him why you blocked at Wells Mania. I legitimately want to know. Two for two. Question number three. Let's go. What was the name of John Cena's debut rap album? The time is now. Incorrect. The correct answer is you can't see me. Well, yeah, you can't see me. The time is now. It is not. It is just you can't see me. You said song, right? Album name. Oh, album name. I'm sorry. I thought you said song. His number one song. Yes, it is. You can't see me. I don't know if number, I should give you that and one. And his number one song. I'm sorry. I wasn't paying attention to the question. I heard. Uh, I heard music, and then I went right to the time is now. 
But yeah, you got Bumpy Knuckles on there, Trademark. The, the, the album went platinum, believe it or not. I mean, that album sold like crazy. And Friend of the Wells Mania podcast, Cody Mullican, I'm pretty sure met John Cena at a record appearance okay. for You Can't See Me. Well, here's what we'll do. Since you weren't really paying attention. Basic thugonomics. I'll, I'll change the question Let's up. go. I'll change the question up. Sure, sure, sure. When, what year was the album released? That came out in 2000, I believe 2005. Correct. That was the year I graduated high school. And shout out to all my Whiteland Warriors class of 2005. And here's the thing, man. I have grown up a huge fan of hip hop and R&B music. And John Cena really spoke to me when he debuted. He didn't debut as Basic Thugonomics. He debuted as Ruthless Aggression. That's why we're celebrating Cena Month. Well, the prototype. 20-year anniversary. Well, that was an OVW. But it is still his first, first uh, game. But not in WWE. You see, Peyton, I see what you're trying to do over here. You're trying to, to trick me into songs, albums, uh, prototype, I, I was, OBW, WWE. I was very specific on the last question. I just wasn't paying attention, but but I did get it right. I mean, yeah, yes. I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you because 2005, I'll give it to you. Yeah, so what is that, four for four? That's three for three. Oh, three for three. That was a, a bonus question. Yes. But yes, John Cena spoke to me when I saw him as Basic Thugonomics because finally I was able to relate to somebody who kind of looked like me and I could really relate to what he was saying. He inspired me, and then I went through a basic thugonomics stage of my own. Yeah. I put out my own rap album in 2007 called I Am What I Am. Did you know that about me? We don't need to know that, and we're going to move on to it the It did next not question. go platinum. I, I can imagine. There were only 40 copies. Yeah, because nobody bought them. Because I gave them away for free. Okay. The next question. What type of match did John Cena and Umaga have at the Royal Rumble 2007? You know, I just watched this match the other night. It is a last man standing match. It's one of my favorite John Cena matches of all time. I am a sucker, a sucker for John Cena versus Umaga matches. Those two, their chemistry inside the ring was phenomenal. That was one of Cena's best matches, and honestly, the show stealer that night at the Royal Rumble. Yeah, because he had to choke out Umaga to win that match. Yes. And I'm pretty sure, if I'm not mistaken, Mega Mondo did the same thing to Rathbone at their last man standing match. Very similar. It was a chain instead of a rope, but very similar ending to the match. Mega Mondo is Gorilla Cena. That is what Sam Knight has nicknamed Mega Mondo, Gorilla Cena. So. so you're four for four. Four for four. Let's go. Right. Question number five. Who defeated John Cena in a last man standing match at Backlash 2009? Oh, man. Now that is a legit question right there. <laughs> that is a tough That's one. That's a really good question. That is a tough one. And I'm not looking up any of this stuff. Peyton is looking right at me. 2009, he would have been feuding with possibly edge was it edge you are correct wow look at that you are correct look at that the finish of that match was big show came out and choke slammed cena through a spotlight and he could not beat the 10 count five for five, five question for five. number six let's go five for five okay here we go now this, here we go we're halfway there who was john cena's 
first ever partner he won the tag team championships with. Oh, man. That is another tough question right there. Man. And he's been tag team partners with some very random people. Yes. I'm trying to think who the first was. Because yes. I know he was tag team partners with David Otunga when he was going through the whole Nexus mm-hmm. uh, feud there. I believe he was tag team partners with Shawn Michaels. That, that You know what? I'm going to go with that. I think he was uh, tag team partners with Shawn Michaels. Correct. Ah, look at that. Pulled that one <laughs> wow. right out of the back of my Hoosier dome. Wow. That's, that's, a, that's a tough one. Congratulations there, though. Not too many times John Cena has won the tag team titles. So that one, I knew it had to be earlier before Otunga. So, yeah, HBK and Shawn Shawn Michaels and John Cena were tag team champions, believe it or not. Now we're getting into some really tough ones. What is that, six for six? You are six for six. All right, all right. Now this is a movie question. All right. What was the name? Of John Cena's character in the movie Legendary. <laughs> That's a, I was hoping that you would give me the Marine, but uh, no. le- Legendary. The Marine's too easy. Legendary. Oh my God. That that. Is, I'm guessing you've seen the film. I have because it's about the reunion, it, and he's a wrestling coach. Yeah, that and was his training his brother. That's the plot of that movie. I think I'm going to get my first L cuz I'm I'm struggling hardcore here. Just just throw something out there. Jack. No, his name was Mike Chetley. Yeah, yeah. I- I'm sorry, John. <laughs> I'm sorry. Mike Chetley. Mike Chetley. Oh. Doesn't really fit him though, no, does it? No. Yeah, I no. No. Okay, but 6 6 and 1. So you're still over. You're still over. I can see the disappointment in your face, though. You yeah, were wanting a clean sweep. I, I was. I was hoping you'd give me John Triton from the Marine, but you know, legendary. That's a good one. Yeah, that's that was a that was a that was a deep dive question. All right. So is this one though? John Cena was the number one draft pick in 2005's WWE Draft Lottery. To Monday Night Raw! His first match on Raw was a tag team match against Christian and Tyson Tomko. Wow. Who (laughs) was John Cena's tag team partner? Ah, this is a a really tough one right here. This is a good one. 2005, John Cena's tag team partner, Monday Night Raw. In his first match on Raw. I think you've stumped me. That, that's a good one. That's a really good question because I, I can't even think of, I want to say Edge, but that's, that's probably not right because Edge and Christian, maybe they were feuding back in 2005. I'm, I'm going I'm to say Edge. It was Chris Jericho. Ah, Chris Jericho. It was Chris Jericho. Man, I'm not doing so good here on the back half of these questions. All right. What is this, question number eight? We're going on question nine right now. Oh, question nine. That was eight. That was eight, okay. This is nine. And I've gotten six right. Yes, you've missed two. I've missed two. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Wow. So you're still over. Yeah. I mean, I've already finished uh, above 500, but I wanted to get a clean sweep here, 10 out of 10. All right. But you, Peyton hit me with two you, really hard questions. Are you ready for nine? I am ready. Question number nine. Okay. Who was John Cena's bodyguard in the chain gang? Oh, that was, uh, oh, what was that dude's name? Oh, he's big, bald dude. Oh, man. I'm going to get this one. I'm going to get this one. I'll give you a hint. I'll give you a hint. Bull Buchanan. It was Bull Buchanan, but that wasn't his gimmick name. No, but it was Bull Buchanan. It was. But what was the actual character's name? It was his rap name, and I can't think of what his rap name was. <laughs> oh, man. I am uh, drawing a blank here. It was, it's short. Uh, it's very short. B something. It's B something. Oh, man. You're hot. You're really hot. You're close. Oh, man. You're close. What was his You're name? You're so close. B. I'll give you another hint. I'll give you another hint. It's it's two things, and you've got the first one down. B, and w- there's one more. I can't think of what his name was. You want me to tell you? Yeah. B2. B2! Wow, it was right there. <laughs> it was right there all along. Yep, B2. B2. Well, I, I got it right, though, I, right? I'll, get, yeah, I'll, give, I'll give it to Bull you. Bull Buchanan. It was Bull Buchanan. Right. It was, so I'll give you that one. But, yes, it was it was Bull Buchanan, but the gimmick was B2. B2. By the way, we are going to bump out this episode with Basic Thugonomics. Yes, please, you have to. Question right. number 10. Are you ready? The go-home. This is the toughest one on the list. Oh, here we go. Save the best for last. In a triple threat match for the WWE Championship, John Cena defended the title and debuted the STF in this match. Who were the two opponents? Who were the two opponents he debuted the STF against in a triple threat match for the WWE Championship? And the match was on November 28th, 2005 edition of Raw. Say that date one more time. November 28th, 2005, John Cena defended the WWE title in a triple threat match. He won the match by debuting the STF, who were his opponents. That is a really tough question. You're asking me to go back a long time ago. Cena's had over, what, a thousand matches in his whole entire career? You know what? I'll, I'll, I'll slim it down for you. Thank you, because I have no idea. I'll give you one name. I'll give you the name of the guy who didn't tap to the finisher. Was Triple H in the match? No. Okay, I'm glad I didn't say that then. One of the opponents... Had to be Batista. ...was Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle. Okay. The other opponent is the one who tapped out to the STF the first time Cena ever used the move. Uh, let's see. Kurt Angle versus John Cena versus... I was going to say Batista, but I don't think that's right. For whatever reason, I want to go with Chris Jericho. Let's go Chris Jericho. You got the Chris part right. Wait a minute. But it was... Wait a second. <laughs> Wait a second. I got this right because I have made a rule. I have made a rule on Wells Mania that I would never say this guy's name. 
So, yeah, I know who it is now. If it's not Chris Jericho, it's the other guy with the same first name. But we do not say that name. I'm going to say it. We, no, we do not say his no, name. No, no, you're wrong. It's not who you're thinking of. Wait a minute. So if it's not that. It's not who you're thinking of. Wait a second. Because so, I know who you're thinking of, and it's not him. Wow. Okay. Wow. I just went for Owen Wilson. No. Wow. No, it's not who you're thinking of. Okay, then. Who is it? Chris Masters. Wow. No. The masterpiece. The masterpiece. Yes. I thought for sure you were going to say. No, no. I knew where you were going. Right. For a second, I was like, is Chris Masters banned from the podcast? What happened? (laughs) And then it clicked, and I was like, no, he's thinking of somebody else. No, Chris Masters, you're more than welcome to come on any episode of Wells Media Podcast. All right. So, seven out of ten ain't too bad. Yeah. No, that's pretty good. I mean, and you did hit me with some really challenging questions there. That was no walk in the park. So, seven out of ten to close out the show, Peyton. Not too bad. Not too bad at all, right? Nope. 70% is not too bad. Takes me back to you know what will be high bad, school though? math all over again. What will be bad oh. is if you start rapping. I think you're untouchable. Listen. Word life. Back in 2007, I did debut my rap album. Give us a bar, at least. I am what I am. Let's hear one line from and that album. I am leaving it in the past where it belongs. It was that bad? I mean, listen. Give us one line. I didn't have the equipment that I do now. Do you remember any words, any lyrics? I mean, yeah, but. Okay, give us spit at one bar. I am not going oh. to let the Wells Maniacs suffer to my horrible rapping from back in 2007. Now, if I remastered the debut album, I Am What I Am, with the equipment that I've got, okay, it might sound a lot better. Well, let's do it then for 70, for episode 70. We are coming up. That should be the big celebration. You remake your album. Well, 2007 was, how long ago was 2007? I'm not very good at math. Let's see, it's 2022. Still kicking in Uranus. 15 years. Wow, we're coming up on the 15-year anniversary yeah. of my debut album. So, okay, look. I am what I am. 15 years, 2007, episode 70. It's the perfect place. I'll think about it. Hey, before we let people go, where can they find you on social media? You can find me at Stone Pain Prod on Twitter. Also, do yourself a favor. Go follow at SmashMouthWWT. And enjoy all the great content of Wrestle With This. And there are rumors that if Vince McMahon does sell WWE, the 51% majority owner of WWT, Tim McLaw, might just become the new owner of WWE. Nah, that's not going to happen. Hey, be sure to follow me all over everywhere at Wells Mania, all across the social media. Thank you so much for running wild with Peyton Payne and I right here on episode 69. 69. (laughs) Until next episode, stay positive, run wild. And dominate the day! Crowd is dead like it in the mission when you on a tight world life. This is basic thugonomics. This is basic thugonomics. Word life. I'm untouchable, but I'm forcing you to feel word life. Alright, here's what we'll do, Peyton, okay?
Because there might be some people out there that legitimately want to hear me go back to yeah. my basic thugonomics days. So what we're going to do... I'm one of them. And nobody's listening anyways because the episode's over. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go on my Twitter, at Wellsmania. Mm-hmm. I'll put up a poll. Do you want to hear me rap? Not the entire album, not the entire song, but just a couple bars, a couple yeah. verses from... I am what I am, which was my debut album. Yeah, just pick the best lyrics. Yeah, well, one of the number one hit songs on that album was Pac-Man Jones. Oh, God. Pac-Man Jones, Adam Jones, his nickname was Pac-Man. He used to play for my Tennessee Titans. He got into some legal trouble with Roger Goodell. I may or may not have had a bar where I said Roger can Roger Goodell can go straight to hell. Now, my album, for the most part, is pretty clean. I did throw some explicits on there, but nothing that can get me canceled. Thank God. But you know what? I'm going to do that. It wouldn't matter. Nobody heard it anyway. Uh, 40. There have been 40 copies made of I Am What I Am. So I'm, all- I'm kind of <laughs> curious, though, if anybody still has a copy of... They all went in the trash. That album. Well, I still have mine. I still have mine. And you know what I thought about doing? Mm. Putting it in one of those. You know how if an album does go platinum, they have like the gold uh, CD and then they have the album cover. And then underneath it, they have a little plaque saying, you know, how many sales the album did. I thought about <laughs> faking one of those. <laughs> Fake it till you make it. Yeah. With my debut album okay. 15 years ago. Wow, that was a long you time got, you ago. You got to do it. You got to recreate it. Well, all right. I'm going to put a poll up at Wells Mania on Twitter. And if the majority of the Wells Maniacs want to hear it to celebrate the 15-year anniversary of my debut album, I Am What I Am, and on the milestone 70th episode of Wells Mania podcast, I will spit some bars. From I am what I am. Yeah, you'll probably run it right into the ground. Well, nobody's listening anyway, so (laughs) no one's going to vote yes to this poll. We'll see. We'll find out.